Begin Podfix Network transmission. In three, two, one. Fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet. Or deep in the ocean, casting nets. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. It is a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds. Clay Groves here, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, and your best friend. Here we are. Almost done. National Podcast Posting Month. We're so close. And we're going to get across the finish line tomorrow. Today, Crappy Hippie is back. Two episodes ago, the Crappy Hippie and Tim B from Lure Love Podcast give you a little kind of a spoof on fishing after a cold front comes through. But John King wanted to come back and prove to you that you can rely on him for good information. So John King's going to do it for you. Don't forget to check out the Lure Love Podcast and also check out Glasswater Angling. You want some good lead-free lures, Glasswater Angling is where you want to get them from. Uh, the Crappie Hippie is a big fan of fishing lead-free, as are the fish nerds. And you should always you know, choose lead-free when you can. And it's you know some states... You're finding it more and more. That's the rule. But if you want some great jigs and great lures from a great lead-free company, Glasswater Angling, go to glasswaterangling.com. The crappy hippie will tie you up some great jigs and lures, and I love them, and you will too. So make sure you check all that out. My favorite are the Angle King. I've jigged them under the ice, and I've caught lots of fish with them. Crappie duelers are great too. Jester jigs are wonderful. My kids love the Jester Jigs, so Crappy Hippie, for all your lead-free needs. See that, Crappy Hippie? I did it. I gave you a free commercial for all the work you did. So I guess it's not really free. It's more like a barter. But anyway, thank you. Here is the Crappy Hippie. Hey, everybody. It's Crappy Hippie here, your tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas. And if you're out there going, hey, man, that wasn't fair. I put out a little spoof, Tim and I did, about how to handle post-cold front weather. When you go fishing, well, you're sitting there going, yeah, listen, smart guy, I need real advice here. It's the only day I can go, or sometimes I'm in a tournament and day two turns into this post-cold front nightmare, and I really could use some for real tips rather than yuck it up comedy on how to deal with this condition. So fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I'll give you a few tips because uh, it is a toughie. In fact, I can't think of a condition worse except when you get, I don't know, four, five, seven, ten, twelve inches of rain. Absolute flash flooding blowout is probably the only condition that slows fishing down even more than this one and limits what you can do uh, more than this one. But I'm telling you, this is a nasty one. The number two slot, uh, it means it's uh, still awful, awful bad. Okay, so here we go. How to deal with post-cold front condition. All right, here, I'm going to start this off with a story because a story can illustrate a lot of things quickly and, and in a more fun way. A couple years ago, I got to go up to New Hampshire and fish with the great Clay Groves aboard his wonderful 24-foot mega pontoon boat. And on the first afternoon, it was warm, it was sunny, it was humid, it was lovely. And we parked over a couple of shoals of perch and ended up catching, I, I don't know, I quit counting at 70-some. Uh, it was absolutely terrific. And then we went on home, and the only reason we 
you know, it's not because the fish were done biting. It's just because we had to get home. And uh, we got him back to his house, and his gorgeous wife, Kristen, had made a chili dinner for everybody. And Zoe and Clay and I headed out, and we cleaned fish for a while. And while we were doing that, it, it drizzled and sprinkled on us a bit, and clouds covered up the sky. And kind of thinking to myself, hmm, looks like a bit of a front kind of going through here, a trough at least. So anyway, long story short, we get up the next day and the conditions are completely the opposite, okay? The clouds have cleared out. The sky is a blue vault of gorgeousness, but bright blue, just shocking sunlight. The wind is going bananas, whereas yesterday or the day before, it was an agreeable ripple on the water. Here we have this pelting 15 to 20 mile an hour steady wind with gusts going, oh, I'm sure 30, 35, 40 miles an hour every now and then. Just, just crazy, okay? And the temperature has dropped. You know, we're in the upper 70s, low 80s the day before. It's in the 40s this morning. It's just the exact opposite of what you had the day before. So how are fish going to react to this? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to sulk. And on this particular day at Conway Lake, I learned to admire Clay more than, than I had previously because this guy is trying to hold what was the perfect fishing platform the day before, this 24-foot deck is now a nightmare getting pushed and pulled and yanked and shoved around by this crazy wind. He's trying to hold us on spots. And to do this kind of fishing, you really need to be able to really work spots over and really work them, you know, pretty close. And and it just was, yeah. You know, even though he did a masterful job of trying to hold us with the outboard, because I can't imagine there's a trolling motor on Earth unless it's powered by some sort of nuclear reactor that could possibly hold uh, a boat that big in that kind of a wind. So, you know, it was hats off to Clay, but that's another thing that the wind does. Not only does it kind of aggravate the fish but it can make it really hard for you as a fisher to do what you want to do with the lures or your uh, vessel or or even if you're on shore uh, which shore you're going to go to and your access points and so on okay so let's add up the factors here real quick we've got a big temperature flux we've got a big change in wind we've got a big change in light level the the wind is caused by a big change in barometric pressure the fish probably ate a good meal the day before and if there was a lot of precipitation with the front the day before there might possibly be outflow going on at the lake or reservoir which can also mess with the pressure the water pressure and the pressure that fish feel you can say oh crappie hippie i've caught fish on a sunny day oh i've caught fish at the outflow oh i've caught fish in the wind i've caught fish under high pressure and all that and i will say sure so have i but when you have these conditions all hit at once and just belt the fish and you know turn the world completely upside down it really can have a profound effect that's why you have such a hard time finding anything to catch on a day like uh, this so one of the ways you can tell it's really bad is like when we walk up to the marina and you're looking in the boat slips if you see little gizzard shad just kind of swimming around crippled or you see some just kind of twisting and turn in a drunken way underwater about you know a foot or two uh, you know that this has come through on a sudden and the flux is just tremendous uh, because when these small fish get caught in that their swim bladders go uh, get damaged and and they're everywhere and actually that's kind of good news for you because what few fish still feel like moving around and feeding will be doing so because this is a very easy food source that generally presents itself right where the bass are already hanging out and trying to stay comfortable and not just bass but crappie walleye etc and so on 
Now, I'm not an expert. I'm not real familiar with other big schooling bait fish other than gizzard shad, but I can imagine that herring or alwives or anything else that gets caught in a real sudden flux of temperature and or pressure uh, might respond the same way. Uh, I'd be interested if anybody wants to chime in and set me straight on this issue on how the forage fish behave under a post-cold front stunner in your part of the country. Okay, so now we've had this weather change, this big flux of conditions, and let's just talk real quick about the three levels of activity in fish. You have what they call active, which is when they're moving around spawning, searching for a new home, just going about their daily business that requires them to move and and move around uh, quickly. And then you uh, have resting, and that's just like you chilling in front of the TV. There's you know, cognizant, they're conscious, they're kind of looking around, Uh, but they're resting. They're not pursuing food. They're not pursuing any sort of biological goal except to restore themselves, rest, uh, digest, and so on. Now, doesn't mean to say uh, if something drops right in their lap, just like if someone sits a dish of ice cream down you right there by you while you're watching TV, you're going to grab it up and start uh, mow-mowing on it, and the fish is the same way. You put a bait right in front of it, and generally they'll go ahead and suck it up. And then you have what's called torpor, which is the sleepy uh, just out completely asleep sort of thing and of course they don't have eyelids most fish species don't so they're just sitting there and they can be brought out of torpor and that gives us a point of talking about how to present which we will do so here shortly because you want to do it in a repetitious fashion but we'll, we'll get to that here in just a second Okay, so when you're looking for these fish, you want to look for habitats that solve a lot of the problems, like, wow, there's too much light. Boy, this pressure change is kind of a drag. It's cold. All of a sudden, the water's a lot colder than it was, and so on. So we want to help them out a little bit. And uh, I think there's some food around. Uh, Where might that be? So we're looking for habitats that sort of solve all these things. And let's just, like, one of the most perfect habitats you can fish during a post-cold front condition are laydowns. Because a log will absorb heat. A log will provide the shade from the sun. They can just move a short ways. A log is generally tilting down from shallow to deep water. So they can move along it in order to find the most comfortable spot temperature-wise. Get out of the wind or get up into the wind. And once again... Speaking again into the wind, these crippled bait fish, these bait fish that aren't feeling so well, or any bait fish that are kind of wanting to just hide and hang out because they're sort of in the same condition, maybe better, maybe worse than the game fish, they'll be hanging out around laydowns because it gives them all the same things it's given the bigger fish. So great spot to fish because it alleviates a lot of these conditional aspects that make the fish not want to uh, take your bait. Okay, so what else kind of fits this description? How about isolated weed beds? Once again, they're dark, so they absorb heat. They've got some protection from the sun. Uh, They mitigate the wind a bit. Uh, And, of course, other things are going to try to concentrate around the weed bed as well. And if there's a a weed, big weed bed, but it's got some stumps or laydowns or big rocks or something sticking out of it, each of those individual targets is going to uh, provide an extra motivation for a fish to hang out around it because it's giving it relief once again from the light from the conditions you know giving them a little extra heat and so on and even though they may just be sitting there resting going oh man what a day i'm kind of full from yesterday anyway i'm not going to move around and feed too much all of a sudden your bait runs by them for the third time they're like okay 
next time that tray of biscuits comes by, I'm getting me one. Okay. It, it can happen. And, and we're going to get to that in just a second, but I want to go over one last, one of the favorite, uh, places you can find. And I read about this. I can't remember which famous bass guy, but he won a tournament in a, under a tough post cold front day because he'd found a sloping bank that had a bunch of brushy, like, uh, small hedge trees or just brushy wild plum. I don't know exactly. Just these little brushy bushes at different depths along it. And he had noticed him and his partner had noticed some of the sick, uh, messed up shad. The the wind was coming into the shore and they, the, these shad were getting blown in there. Well, if they got their blade bait right in that bush and let it drop down right in the middle of that bush, they would come out with a bass or two. And fortunately, there were a dozen or more of these bushes along this bank. And so each of them loaded up and limited out right there because each one of them had one or two fish that was willing to feed. So, you know, and that's another thing, too. Your, your day can change just that fast because if you find the only – you can fish over 105 fish and not catch anything because if they're not feeding, they're not feeding. Yeah, and then you fish over, you know, five fish that are feeding and you catch, you know, two, three, four of them. That's how it can go sometimes. So, anyway, that's another one. The, the, the bushes had relief from the light. They had the warmth. They had the slope gave the fish access to deeper water so they could move to a more comfortable spot if they wanted to. The bait fish were seeking the same sorts of shelters and also just being sort of helplessly driven into this shore. So with all this food just sort of dropping in their lap, there was a higher percentage of feeding fish in this zone. So look for those habitat types that provide relief to these conditions. And oh, another one, that's a good one, are culverts. I don't know how, I don't know why, but a lot of time, maybe it's the extra oxygen. Maybe it's a little warmer with the water coming in. Uh, once again, a culvert, a, a channel, a underwater channel will give fish you know, quicker access to the deeper water to more comfort but i'll be darned and and actually culverts maybe being out of metal can actually radiate enough heat to warm up the water around i know sometimes if they're of course sticking down in the water they're clearly transmitting heat into the water but certain fish get really trained habitat wise to move up toward the culvert when they need relief from the cold so if you're fishing on shore don't turn your back on that culvert give it a try Alrighty, let's wind this sucker up talking about the different lures that we can use on a post-cold front condition. And crappie hippie, don't say a jig. Well, okay, um, you can use a jig, especially if you're fishing for crappie. Uh, crappie will tend to be in a lot of the same places they were before. Uh, maybe not moving out deeper, whatever. But the great action you get out of a marabou jig is just a massive winter in cold water. Uh, bass, uh, lipless cranks, blade baits are great. Bass jigs are really good. Uh, little uh, swim baits like you know, flukes and so on. Um, any sort of a bait that's going to give you a slow presentation, a Ned rig, keep you in the water, you know, rig it weedless so that you're not getting hung up, that you're not getting stopped from throwing where you think you need to throw. Fish slowly, but tend to throw a sudden movement in here and there is what I find works the best in cold water a lot of the time. So say so you drop a blade bait right down through a brush pile and it hits the bottom and the bass goes down there and sometimes they'll pick it up right off the bottom but let's say two or three of them come down and take a look all of a sudden it kind of not not crazy wild it just kind of pops up though an inch off the bottom and then settles back a lot of times that's all it'll take just boom and then you can gently lift it out and i'll tell you you can change out hooks you got to get right in the middle of this brushy stuff you might want to change to single hooks on some of these baits uh, it makes a whole lot of sense or use a jig 
you know, with a weedless uh, sort of offset setup because you want to stay fishing, not busting off lures and retying all the time. But I guess what I'm really talking about are lures that can help you out even when they're lying absolutely still. And lures that drop, that sink, are those lures under a post-cold front condition because you want a blade bait or a lipless crank or a spoon or a jig or something that when you stop retrieving, it's going to fall to the bottom and sit there. And this bass is going to say, oh, man, if it's just going to sit there, I'm going to go over and eat that. You know, it just that's somehow the fish psychology in my anthropomorphic mind anyway. That's why I prefer a bait like that. Uh, jerk baits might work as well, too. I don't have that much experience with them. I like a bait that can really get you right into the middle of the junk if necessary, because sometimes they're so miserable and uh, they're wanting to hide deep down in the brush, in the weeds, in the places, and you got to go in there and get them. Now, one of the most important aspects to your presentation when you're fishing on a post-cold front day is repetition. You need to throw into that cover object, into that habitat a number of times. The more juicy and perfect it seems, the more you want to work it. And I mean, work it, like I said, I'm going to tell you this right now, work it like a fly fisher. Because these folks get into position waiting and it is such a hassle and stuff that they will stand there and work, work, work. And you won't think that there's any way possible that anything hasn't seen everything they have to present. And then on the 20th cast, they catch a nice trout. That can happen to you. You've got a nice brushy tree on a sloping gravel bank that has crippled shad floating around it. There's probably a bass in there. Keep at it. Throw that lure 10 even 15, 20 times, repetition is key. And of course, a slow presentation, one that gives the fish chance to uh, catch up to the lure is better than anything that's really quick or speedy. Although, like I say, a sudden burst of movement can often trigger strikes under this condition. But repetition, one last time, I'm being repetitious about repetition. We're going to say repetition because you want to have a repetitious presentation, a descending presentation, and a presentation with an occasional spark of excitement, but otherwise moving slow. All right, so now let's just talk about strikes real quick. You know it's a cold water condition, so they're going to tend to be soft. Even in the summertime, they're going to be soft. They're going to be kind of inquisitive. There might be a peck. There might only be a little movement in your line. A lot of the time, it's that wet sock type strike where you're just like, is that moss or is that, oh, that's a fish. So is that an unearned strike? I don't know. I kind of tease myself when that happens, but I don't really care how that fish gets hooked up just so long as they do, right? The main thing is that it's sort of tedious fishing. It's a tough condition fishing and maintaining your concentration is very difficult, but do the best you can because a lot of your strikes are going to be soft. A lot of them are going to be just visible strikes that you'll only see by watching your line close. So do your very best to stay alert. But as you take a break from being so alert and watching that line, take a look around. One of the best things about that post-cold front fishing day is it's miserable and people find other things to do rather than go out to the lake and go fishing. So you generally have a lot of water to yourself. And that's fantastic because at least you're out there fishing. All right. Best of luck to you on these post-cold front days. I hope you hook a big one. You certainly can. And when you do, you have double the bragging rights because you went out when other people wouldn't. You had the passion. You had the drive. And hopefully after listening to this, you'll have a little more know-how to make you successful under one of the toughest fishing conditions there is. This has been Crappie Hippie, your tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas, saying tight lines and valentines.
Peace out. Perfect, John. That's why we love you. Again, glasswaterangling.com for your lead-free fishing needs, and it's a great time to get gifts. So get on there, get them ordered, get them in time. Fish nerds, out of here. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the halibut! Fried in a basket or broiled in a pan, eat it raw like you're in Siam, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds. It's a podcast.